people are, are, I think, are mainly good. They want to do good things, most people. And sometimes they just have to kind of wake up a little bit. Uh, I can get my kids reading, or I can you know, do something with the local church, or I can do something with the local schools. This is First Person, a weekly conversation featuring the stories of people who are making a difference in the world around them. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today you'll meet author James Patterson, who has a passion to encourage students to read. Welcome. I'll introduce today's guest in just a moment. First, please take a moment when you have time and visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Not only will you find links to follow up and learn more about today's guest, but you'll also see the schedule of interviews slated for the next few weeks. And there's an audio archive of all past interviews at firstpersoninterview.com. A friend of mine offered to put me in touch with author James Patterson and told me about the terrific philanthropic work he's doing on a number of fronts. Whether it's encouraging students to read, providing books to members of the military, or reaching back to help his struggling hometown with economic development, James Patterson is using his wealth that comes from being a very successful author to help others. So recently, we talked on the phone, and we began talking about what he does and why he does it. Well, I I, uh, was born in a small town in upstate New York, Newburgh, New York. Uh, Interesting town in that when I was growing up there, the outskirts was mainly farms. Um, Stewart Air Force Base was an active um, um, military base at that point. And then the inner city was primarily African-American, so it was a real mix of people, uh, which was nice. I'd say we were kind of lower middle class. Uh, my mother was a teacher. Um, and um, um, grandparents were very important in our family, um, sort of everybody. I mean, it was a different era. I mean, those were the days when, when uh, people didn't lock their doors and the milk would get delivered and nobody would take it. And, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of very, very different than, than, than the way it is now, uh, unfortunately. Better than things are now, you think? No, I don't think things are better now. I mean, I think there, you know, obviously there, there have been some improvements in medicine and, uh, you know, some of the tools that we have now, if used properly, are, you know, can be great. I mean, the internet can be very useful for people, depending on how they use it. Some of the electronic, things that we have now, uh, you know, can be useful. Um, uh, certainly people have the opportunity to be healthier now if they, if they make the right choices. So growing up the way you did in that town, I mean, do you still consider yourself kind of a, a small town values kind of person? Yes, I, would, I, I, I think that I am. I, I don't think I've changed a lot. Um, you know, I, I, um, when I had a birthday party and I had friends from all the way back from, from kindergarten who came and they said, you're still the same jerk you always were. So, <laughs> and I think that's good. I mean, I think that the, the, the fact that, uh, and, and, and even with our son, when I talk about, you know, obviously I sell a lot of books and I go, but that's it's really not that important. It's fine and it's good. I enjoy it. And, you know, somebody said, you're lucky if you find something you like to do and then it's a miracle. Somebody will pay you to actually yeah. do that, right. which is my situation. But I don't, I'm not, terribly impressed with myself, which I think is is a good way to, to go through life. Yeah. What keeps you grounded then? I mean, it'd be so easy to be impressed with the numbers I cited a few moments I, ago. I think, I, think I, I just growing up, that's the way it was. I think, you know, uh, with my parents and 
and grandparents and the way we were taught. And, you know, religion was a big deal in our family. And, uh, you know, I, what, why should you be terribly impressed with yourself? I mean, I, I don't think you should be negative about yourself either, but, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I do a job. A lot of people do a job. I try to do it as well as I can at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. You have an advertising background. Did you set out to write, yes, or was advertising been, the start for you? I've been for you? clean for over 20 years now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, the, not the response I was expecting to hear. <laughs> but advertising gave you your start. It was it was kind of an accident. I mean, I, I moved to New York City. I didn't have a job, and I just kind of fell into it. Um, J. Walter Thompson, which is a very large agency, did a uh, – they're, they're big in – in, in New York and Chicago and on the West Coast and around the world, but they uh, they had a, a copywriter's test, and I I took the test and I guess I did well, and they said join us, and you know it paid the rent for for a number of years, and uh, you know and some of the accounts were fun. I mean Kodak in those days was really fun to create for, and Toys R Us was another one that I um, uh, I wrote that line to. Um, I'm a Toys R Us kid, and so some of the accounts were fun. And then you're making little movies, which is, um, you know, which can be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So, how did you make the transition to becoming a writer? Well, I always wanted—I I say I always—from my teens on, uh, you know, I had started scribbling. I, I, I worked my way through college uh, at a mental hospital, a very good one, in Belmont, Massachusetts. And um, oh, James Taylor was there, and Robert Lowell, the poet, was there, and Ray Charles used to have to check in there. So it was an interesting place to work. And I worked a lot of night shifts, and um, <clears throat> on the night shift, mostly people slept. And uh, basically, all I had to do was was stay awake. And and you know, if somebody needed help, I would obviously be involved. But otherwise, I, I read a lot, and I started reading six, seven you know books a week. And then I started scribbling, and I and I loved it. I, I loved writing stories. And I remember when um, when the first book um, before it was published, they you know they send books out for blurbs to other authors. And um, uh, John uh, D. McDonald, who was who was a famous mystery writer, um, he he wrote back. I'm I'm quite sure that James Patterson wrote a million words before he even started. The Thomas Behrman number, which was my first book, um, and 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 that was that was a very nice way to say that that uh, that I paid my dues and and deserved to be in the uh, uh, the legion of authors, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about life today, James. You mentioned growing up, you grew up in a family of faith. What is uh, what is life like for you today? Um, I, I think actually it's similar in that. Um, uh, we're, I'm very family oriented. I mean, uh, you know, I write a lot, obviously. I write a lot of kids' books, which I, which I love. And, and that's a real passion of mine. And I think it's a good thing to do. Uh, but, but, but my life revolves around my, my wife. She and I are very close and our son, who's a junior in high school now. And, um, I, you know, so that really hasn't changed. We don't, we don't socialize a ton. I mean, we're not antisocial, but we're not, you know, we're not party people. We don't go out that much. Um, I've always been uh, interested in, in, in family and, and close friends. 
I'm, I'm not very big on, on kind of social friendships. It does, doesn't really interest me. So I have a nice circle of, or we have a nice circle of, of people that we're very close to and uh, don't spend a lot of time just chit-chatting with people that, you know, we're, that we're not close with. You mentioned your son. I understand that uh, he has been on some, uh, is it short-term mission trips he's gone on that has uh, had Yeah, Jack is, is, is very spiritual. Um, he's actually thinking of divinity school. We'll see, you know, where that goes this year and next year in terms of, you know, where his head is at. Um, this summer he went out with, um, with this church group to um, South Dakota, uh, worked on a uh, um, on a reservation, uh, which he loved. He thought that was great. Um, he's taken a couple of other church groups. They went to Cuba at one point, um, and um, he's traveled a lot. He, he went to China for a while, which was which was which was kind of cool. But he has a good heart, which I think is uh, is is terrific. I'd like to take some credit for it, but I you know who knows if we did anything to help or if we've been in the way, but at this stage, you know, so far so good with him. James, can I ask, uh, does prayer play any part in your life and in what you do as a writer? Uh, yeah, well, certainly, uh, I mean, just to take the writing side first, um, uh, most of my characters are, are are very spiritual-oriented. Alex Cross is, is a very good, compassionate African-American man who's, he is a churchgoer, uh, he, he works in the church's soup kitchen, um, he has a lot of, uh, he has a, a tremendous compassion, uh, conscience, um, um, and, and I think the spiritual side of Alex is, is, is crucial. Uh, Michael Bennett, who's another uh, hero that I have, is also very spiritual, spiritually oriented. His father, actually, um, um, after, after his mother died, his father went into the priesthood and became a priest, which is which is somewhat unusual for somebody in their fifties and uh, to, to 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 go you know into religious service. But that's so that's very important in in, in Michael Bennett's life. Um, and then in my own life, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. Um, um, it's it, 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 it is a daily part of my life. It, it's something that uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of big on colloquial praying. I mean, that kind of talking in 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 my own words. It's more of a things. relationship you would have with a conversational relationship then. Yeah, and 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 also even with Jack. I mean, um, you know, I can, I can remember when he was little, talking to him about. Just looking around him and and the beauty of of nature and where did it all come from and trying to stay in harmony with something bigger than himself with God with I, I think it's it's really useful to be in harmony with nature really I think provides some some really visual lessons for people I mean you 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 look at the sky you look at bodies of water you look at forests and. I think it does good things to you. Or it should do good things to you. It should put you in touch with that there's something bigger than yourself. It reveals the Creator, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. We'll continue talking with author James Patterson today on this edition of First Person. Stay tuned. Next time, we'll talk with Gerard Long of Alpha about awakening to God. We all want to hear those great words, well done, good and faithful servant. You ran a good race. And I think actually most Christ followers 
deep in their hearts. They so want to be more effective in reaching their family and their friends with God's love. We'll talk about motivation for sharing the gospel with Gerard Long, Executive Director of Alpha USA, next time on First Person. My guest today on First Person is the author James Patterson, multiple New York Times bestseller. And uh, I, I think I've actually read a report that you've been on that list as number one more than anyone else, James. So that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I think the publisher dug up. I think the, I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records for having, I think, the most number one bestsellers or something, which is kind of goofy, but it's also fun. Yeah. Now, a few minutes ago, you mentioned your love of writing kids' books, and I, I think most people would recognize you as the author of a lot of the thrillers that we enjoy, but tell me more about why you write kids' books. Well, I think it started when Jack was small and you know, he wasn't a huge reader, and I, I just thought that I could tell stories where kids would read one and just say, give me another book. Um, uh, and, and I think that's really important, that, that kids read a lot. And, and also that I, I don't like to preach in the books, but there's always, I think, important lessons. I have a series, um, I Funny, and it's about a, a boy who wants to be a comedian, wants to be a stand-up comedian. And um, what do you do when you when you when you want something in life? Well, you have to kind of study and practice, and that's a, a good thing for kids to, to to be aware of and to think about. And um, um, this boy, we, we find out very early in the book, will never actually be a stand-up comedian because he's in a wheelchair. And we also find out that he wasn't always in a wheelchair. So we're curious about how did this happen and and how does, you know, what he's learning about humor help him to get through, uh, so obviously, a tough situation, which which is, you know, growing up in, in, in a wheelchair. Um, and I think that those are useful things for, for kids to think about. Um, I have a series, Middle School, the first book in middle school, The Worst Years of My Life. It's obviously comedic. And um, I think we're about to do a movie on it. And, 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 and that's a boy who is not a very successful student, but he's brilliant with art. And, and that, unfortunately, isn't recognized very much in his school and in a lot of schools, really, where somebody can really be a genius in certain areas. But because they don't, you know, they aren't as good in, a, in some other subjects there, you know, they, they, they have some problems. So that's what that series is about. Uh, um, I have one a series coming out um, called House of Robots, um, which is kind of a nice way for kids to learn about science. It's it's a it's a family in um, in Indiana, and the mother teaches at a university, and she invents all these robots. So the house is just full of of robots that she's created and they do gardening and they, <laughs> they cook and all sorts of crazy things and it, it it's comedic but it's but it's kind of a neat story yeah. in that um the mother um the, the the young boy in the house he doesn't totally fit in at school and at one point and his sister who doesn't go to school because she's has this terrible uh, you know allergy uh, situation um 
the mother invents this robot that, that she insists that the boy go to school with, and he hates this idea. He says, Mom, I, I know you're trying to do a nice thing and give me a friend to go to school, you know, but, but this is horrifying and it's going to make it worse. And what we find out at the end of the, of the book is that this robot that she's created is not for him. This robot has a camera and will ultimately be a way for the girl to go to school. Mm. Be, you know, which is kind of emotional and, 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 and neat and whatever, but it's a very a very warm story for, for people to read. But it goes beyond writing books for kids. You have, I read, just donated, what, some 45,000 copies of books to the New York City schools, and they were gratefully received, and kids in New York are reading these books as well. You believe strongly that kids need to learn to read and appreciate reading. I, I think it's it's the most important. Look, I mean, as individuals, I mean, we can't solve the health care crisis, but we can solve the reading crisis in our own homes. Um, we can do do nice things for the local schools. We can we can donate books, and and, and I'm very big on. I mean, we're donating hundreds of thousands of books. Now, we, we, we gave a book to every fifth grader in New York City this summer. We gave a book to every, I think it was fifth grader in Chicago this summer. Um, my hometown, we're, we're, we're starting a program to do book clubs in all of the schools there now with books that, that I'm going to supply. Um, and, and we'll do more of that. Um, I just did um, um, shot a pilot for a kid's um, variety show i you know you watch a lot of the stuff for children on tv and i find it not to be not to be all that terrific it's they're sort of like not too funny sitcoms with bad jokes and there's no real particular they seem to be very materialistic and and, and this is this this variety show is about um reading and appreciating music and appreciating art and but it's done with some humor and it's very fast paced and, and i think that you know the the lesson there or the idea is that reading and, and 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 studying art and studying music should actually be joyful it should not be work it should not be you know the torture that 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 it seems to be in schools for some kids um so I, I, I have very high hopes for the for the show that it's um, you know that we'll put it on PBS or, or some someplace terrific. And then tell me more about readkiddoread dot com. Uh, you're very passionate about this. Oh sure, yeah. Readkiddoread dot com is a site that I started a few years back, and um, it. it, it People should go visit because you can you can decide whether it's for you in just a few minutes. Uh, but at this point, there are maybe 500 or so books on there, all for kids. They're books that, in my opinion, kids will read that book and say, "Give me another book," which I think is is really important. It's divided from you know kids you know one year old up until. 13 or so. It's very easy to use. It's broken down and, you know, by age and then, you know, things like page turners or, you know, more difficult but worth the effort. Um, so I think it's a really useful tool. It's, it's you know, before you, before uh, uh, parents go to the library or before they go to a local bookstore or before they order a book online, it's, it's a nice way to find some books that you might be, that, that, that the kids might be interested in. 
We mentioned the books, the hundreds of thousands of books that you've given to uh, school children in the U.S., and that's so generous, and we're so grateful. And thank God that you're doing that. I think of what Paul said in Second Corinthians, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You sound like a cheerful giver to me. Yes, I, I, I think I am. Uh, I, as I said, I, I just think it's the right thing to do. I think it's a good thing to do. I don't expect any credit for that. I don't expect any payback. It just, it just, it, it's in my nature. Um, I don't know how much of that comes from just the upbringing, uh, which, as I said, was was very spiritual. And you know, my mother taught school, uh, and. Um, uh, I, I, and I think all the way through, through you know, growing up, my parents and grandparents were very generous. And it extends into the military. Tell me about that. Well, we're we're actually um, I'm just about to um, do another thing, um, giving a, a, about 180,000 books to the to the to the military. And I've done this several times before. I think it's up close to 700,000 books now. But the great thing about about these gifts is is a lot of these um, military people who are away from home, they really get the feeling that, that they're forgotten once they're over there, nobody's thinking about them. And I get just the most terrific um, responses, mails and emails and, and uh, from from uh, uh, soldiers overseas when, when, when they get these free books and, and from their families back home. Hmm. That, that somebody is, is thinking, not just thinking about them, but actually doing something. I mean, that's a big deal with me. I, you know, I mean, we're going to talk and people are going to listen, and, and that's fine. But, but the real um, test of, of what we're doing right here is that it actually gets people to do something. That that they're actually going to go out and 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 work with their with their kids or their grandchildren and make sure that they that 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 they're reading books on a very regular basis that that they're you know that that no holiday would go by where they don't either go to the library or 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 or, or purchase a book for their kids, however however they bring books into the house uh, but but do things uh, that that they go and see how they can help the local school uh, or you know. Uh, anywhere where 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 kids are going to get a better education. Do you have any additional dreams you'd like to uh, see fulfilled in your lifetime, James? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you try to to whatever you're doing. I just you want to multiply the effect. Once again, that it just gets yeah, you because know, so much of it is. I mean, a lot of people are, are I think are mainly good. They want to do good things. Most people, and sometimes they just have to kind of wake up a little bit. You know, we we get in. Maybe that's why zombie movies are so popular. Or whatever <laughs> that you know, we just get into that kind of well. We you know we're doing what we did yesterday, and so hopefully it'll just so people go. You know what? Yeah, I can I can do some stuff. I, I really can. Uh, I can get my kids reading, or I can, you know, do something with the local church, or I can do something with the local schools, and so so hopefully we'll stimulate some of that today. Well, today's guest author James Patterson is using the wealth God has entrusted him with to reach out and encourage others. One such donation are books being donated right now by him through the Coalition to Salute America's Heroes and Feed the Children. Regarding these donations, Patterson says, Every day the men and women of our armed forces sacrifice on our behalf, and I can't think of a more deserving group to receive these books. I'm also grateful to the people at the Coalition to Salute America's Heroes and Feed the Children that helped make this donation possible. 
For more on today's program, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. Well, next week, Gerard Long, Executive Director of Alpha USA and the author of Awakening to God, will be our guest. Since we last talked, Gerard and Jeannie Long's daughter Rebecca died in a drowning accident. We'll talk with him about how the Lord has comforted his family in their loss. That's next week. Gerard Long, Executive Director of Alpha, here on First Person. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.